Voices are exotic Dancers enter one by one Make love to all of your orifices In ear seduction Hello and welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Alas, we are at the final chapter of this series, Revelations. In this chapter, we will discover what a scientific, evidence-based moral system can and does reveal to us about morality. This is the most exciting chapter in this series, and it is likely to be the most controversial. By the end of this chapter, you will know the nature of morality, how to implement an evidence-based moral system, how evidence demonstrates that we have human rights, the moral conclusions that we can draw by using this system, and whether or not you are a moral person. Hopefully, if you find that you are thinking, believing, or behaving in an immoral way, you will also learn how and why you should reconsider and change. As we discussed in the last chapter, changing your mind is an important part of becoming an adult and thus engaging in an evidence-based moral system. In the following episodes, we are going to tackle each individual component of my moral system and explain them in great detail. We've already briefly discussed the fundamentals and foundations of this moral system in episode 7 of this series called Deuteronomy. But now, we're going to dive in and learn how to use this system in our daily lives. Let's start by detailing out exactly what a science of morality is and how to conceptualize it. First, we need to keep our mantra in mind. Do unto others as they would have you do unto them. This is the starting point for an evidence-based moral system. By starting with the focus on others, we orientate ourselves correctly for all the other actions we need to do in order to be moral people. A sound moral system requires that we think about humanity from three perspectives. The first is that we engage with ourselves and in order to understand our emotions and to ensure that we are aware of our own suffering, what causes it, and ultimately, how to resolve it. The second is to engage with those around us. A sound moral system recognizes the other as a homo sapiens and reaches out to learn about others, their wants and needs, in an attempt to understand those that we come into contact with in our daily lives. The final perspective is from the sciences. The sciences have a lot to tell us about what causes human suffering and flourishing. They also provide us with objective moral facts. This gives us the necessary objective standards we require to keep our moral system from encroaching on the rights of others. The sciences also keep us from implementing policies that aren't evidence-based. Once we understand ourselves, those around us, and more broadly, humanity as a whole, then we can direct our actions and the actions of others towards flourishing and away from suffering. You may have noticed that I used the words homo sapiens. I specifically use these words 
because they are the scientific words for all of humanity. That is a very important distinction I make for this moral system, to differentiate it from the other moral systems available. My moral system does not distinguish between male and female, black and white, old and young, or create any barrier, either artificial or evidenced, between individual homo sapiens. Everyone is a homo sapiens, and so any conclusions made by our moral system will include all homo sapiens. You could say that this is part of the Schilling standard. This has an advantage over, say, the Constitution of the United States of America and the Bill of Rights, where further clarifications were necessary to allow for women's rights to vote and to recognize African Americans as whole people. In the case of my evidence-based moral system, there will never be a need to amend it to include anyone. All Homo sapiens are included in its human data sets, and thus, all Homo sapiens are included in its conclusions. For ease of understanding, I'll be using the words Homo sapiens, humanity, people, human, humans, etc. as synonyms moving forward. Another aspect of the Schilling Standard is that it helps to create a moral system that anyone would enjoy living in. The true test of a sound moral system is to create it in such a way that it wouldn't matter what age, race, sex, gender, sexual orientation, social status, or any individual human identity you might be or become. No matter who you are in my moral system, you are set up to thrive. There is no second class. Every Homo sapiens has the same standing and finds themselves with the exact same bundle of rights and privileges. A key question one should ask of the Schilling Standard is, are you a Homo sapiens? If the answer is yes, then you may stand up with all the other Homo sapiens to claim your bundle of rights. There is no need for further questions. One big difference between the Schilling Standard and its contemporaries is that it recognizes the rights of all Homo sapiens, and that includes criminals, the mentally ill, queers, women, and children. In other words, huge sections of humanity that have long been overlooked due to the perception that they either lack the ability to accurately convey their wants and needs, or that humanity shouldn't care about them. When we implement the Schilling Standard and collect human data sets filled with facts about how these groups want to be treated, plus the plethora of human data sets that the sciences can generate regarding these underserved groups, only then will we start to implement social policies that truly cares for everyone. And according to the Schilling Standard, anyone that might find themselves as a member of one of these groups would be well-equipped to flourish. By refocusing our attention away from how we want to treat others and onto how they want to be treated, we bring ourselves into alignment with a sound, evidence-based moral system. So again, all Homo sapiens will have the same rights as all the other Homo sapiens. Before we wrap up this episode, let me address some of your concerns with what I've just said. 
I can imagine that many of you are starting to think about this system and you are concerned that we won't be able to protect ourselves from criminals or that perhaps our young children will vote to have everything be made of chocolate or maybe that the mentally ill will vote in a representative that believes that a secret society of wealthy Jews have set up a space generator that beams the sun's energy back onto Earth in the form of blue lasers. Lasers that caused the forest fires in California that just so happened to be on land that these wealthy Jewish families want to build a high-speed train system. (laughs) If you have these and other concerns, then believe me, I also have these concerns about giving rights to all of humanity. But please ask yourself the following question. Which is more moral? To take away rights from human beings or to devise a system where everyone has all the same rights, but the system itself restricts our policies and actions to those that can be demonstrated to be true and produce human flourishing? I think that if you honestly answer that question and not take the path of least resistance, you'll come to the conclusion that we must ensure everyone's rights and that we must create a system to implement those rights and that utilizes the scientific method so that the system itself avoids the types of problems we've identified earlier. This series is the formulation of just such a system. A system that allows for everyone to have the same rights but prevents us from building cars made of chocolate because the objective facts of such a vehicle's existence would prevent us from building it. As for the Jewish space lasers, the system that I'm developing in this series would not allow for such a person to hold office because there is no evidence to support their claims. I'll explain how in future episodes. In the next episode, we're going to discuss the next component of my sound moral system. Please tune in. Thank you, and this has been Ear Seduction.